you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. See how fancy that was? That was great, awesome. man. That was awesome. That was some, that's like some that fancy man. stuff from a, a karate guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, yeah, we had we had definitely uh, um, tech, technical thing when I first started this podcasting. It was always uh, something, but then uh, I had somebody make a little intro and stuff because I just wanted to have a nice uh, professional look to my stuff. So, mm-hmm. but. Uh, we're here to, we're here this morning and I think I've been asking you for over a year to come and do this with me. Right. Yeah, I think no, every, I, even, I, even since I started, uh, I was been looking forward cause I, you know, Terry Brumley comes up very often in my school. It's talked about, there's not another school that I have that don't know about you because, um, you're probably the single person that was most responsible to help me learn how to, uh, run a business or as far as a martial arts business goes. So this is uh, the grandmaster, Terry Brumley. I'm not sure if we're grandmaster in Taekwondo or the grandmaster uh, entrepreneur. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the story, how we started, but I'm going to turn it over to you and let you introduce yourself where you're at. And then uh, we're going to get right. We're going to dive right into this. Sound good. Sure. Yes. Right, Hi, my sir. name is Terry Brumley. I've been in the uh, martial art business since or in fact i started taekwondo in 1974 that's a long time ago mm-hmm. i'll ask ask mm-hmm. my students very often especially the children i'll say hey i got started in 1974 who remembers 1974 and i raised my hand and several of them will raise their hand so a few of them will <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure um, we have I, I started the uh, taekwondo university business in 1985 uh and uh i've just been just continuing. I mean, I, I had a really, really good instructor and uh, mentors along the way, and and uh, I had a, and and I really enjoyed myself. This has been a, a blast to continue in the taekwondo business as long as I have. So, I've told people before the story of how you and I met, and I was probably about six months into my into my school, and. I knew I, I had enough. I had enough people. I remember I, I started in church as a ministry. I had enough people follow me to pay rent. And I, I, I didn't realize how much stuff I would be hit with. Right. Um, little things like uh, the Edison company says that they need a thousand dollars deposit on electricity. And they have to hold it for a year. Uh, because I don't have credit built with them. And I'm like, what the heck, man? And 
I remember little things like this on, on, you know, how to, how to bypass city stuff and all the, all the licensings that go with it. And it was hard. It was hard to open the door. Matter of fact, it took so much of my money that I had to go and find (laughs) our first mat was, we got a, a mat that you can put on the floor, but we had to go get used carpet padding. We would go to the carpet place because they knew the rich people wants new, brand new stuff. And they would take this brand new foam from their house and put it in the trash. So yeah. we would go get it out of the trash. We dumpster diving. <laughs> That's right. We were dumpster diving to have a mat. That's what we did. Right. And then six months into this, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering here. And there wasn't really things out there like there is today. You know, the internet was not like what it was. And so I said, I got to find a coach, man. I got to find a mentor because I'm, I'm suffering and not anybody around me, including my instructors, they made an okay living, but they didn't make a living. Right. And then, you know how it was back in the day, if you were back in 74 and if you had an instructor, you make black belt, you start teaching class and guess what? You're teaching for free. That's just the way it is. That's just the way martial arts were. And so I found you in black belt magazine and, uh, I was a when black belt magazine back in those days in the early nineties, they had the school of the month. And I just happened to know the editor for that here. You know what I mean? And so I got in at studio studio of the month and then I saw your school. I don't know how you did it. I don't know if you put in an application and they picked you or what it was, but I just got a call. The, the guy just gave me a call one day and, and said, uh, Hey, I've heard uh, a lot of good things about you. I heard you have a, you built your own school. And he said, he said, what, what is that? And I said, well, I designed it. I literally put, I was in the martial art business. I started in November of 85 is when I opened. And I literally, I, after the first two or three months of rent, I said, Julie, start like throwing our money away we, we can't do that we've got we got we, we wouldn't want to do that on a house uh we we need to uh buy land and build our own building and she said you can't do that i said well sure i can it's america you can do anything you want <laughs> so i drew i literally drew out uh on a, just a regular piece of paper what my studio would look like uh and on the, the like a little blueprint of it but obviously it wouldn't blueprint paper or anything. It was just a regular piece of, of paper. And I drew that out and I put it on my mirror. And about once a month after water splashing on it, this is my my uh, um, a mirror in my in my uh, bathroom. So water would splash on it and shaving and stuff. And then I would take it off and I would redo a little bit and I would put it back up on the mirror. And I did that for five years and I found that location. Well, that's a whole new story of, of finding that. It was a, but it was a, an amazing moment that we found the land and bought and built the building well after i built the building the guy that's when the guy called me i've been in the building just a couple of months and he said do you really build your own building i said yeah and he said can you send me some pictures of it i said sure so i did and he said man that's amazing he said but uh what if if you were to specialize in something what would you say that you specialize in so i can come and do a story on you I said, man, I love the sidekick and I love to break boards. So I'd like to talk about how to generate power with the sidekick. And he came out and did a story on me. And that's so that's how I got into that magazine. Well, so so how they called. Right. I saw this. I tell everybody the story. I said, I'm reading through this. 
And I'm like, first of all, I think this guy's a Christian. He didn't say anything. It's just the way it was wrote, written, wrote, good, good English. That's why I teach. That's, that's what happens when you get hit in the head all the time. Um, you know, I, so I was looking at it and I'm like, huh? And I called you, I just called you out of the blue. And I, and I told you, I said, Hey, I'm suffering and I'm gonna have to close my doors. I, I need some coaching. I don't, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And this is what you said. You said, you didn't even know me. So you said, if you find your way out here with a, with an airplane ticket, probably that was my test to make sure that I'm going to uh, make myself do something. You can stay at my house and I'm going to, and I'm going to, you come in and I'm going to teach you, um, how to run a school. And then that's what I did. I came up with that money. I remember it was like $350 or something. And I thought, man, I, where, where are we coming up? I probably bagged, borrowed and steal for that money to get on an airplane to go down there. And we just forged a friendship from there. Yeah. A lot of laughing, you know, I think I taught some class for you and, you know, mm-hmm. on the mat, you know, that's never been my problem getting on the mat. You know, I, I, and so, and that's how we met. That's how we met. So what, I, that, I guess I should ask that question. Huh? I don't know if I even asked you, what made you decide that I'm going to help this guy? Were you doing any consulting at the time? I wasn't charging for any kind of consulting. I never have. This is just something I, that I want to help people with. I mean, I might put them through a test, like, come over here, I'll show you some things, you know, where you have to pick up an airplane ticket or, or a, a gas to get here. But what I wanted to do was to help as many people as possible. And also I found, I kind of made my own rules for this. I said, look, if I have somebody that comes over, spends a weekend with me or a couple of days, spends some valuable time away from my family or uh, away from my business, and they don't take my advice, I stay friends with them, but I can't mentor them. And you, my friend, you are a sponge, man. You jumped right. (laughs) Just about everything I told you, you did, but before, you came out, there was a, there was something that happened. You'd called me. We were already talking on the phone for a couple of days before. And you said to me, he said, uh, uh, I, I need some help in business and I need to know, you know, I, I need to know like every aspect of it. And I said, well, let's start with a walk-in or phone presentation. You said, I got that. I've already got that. I already know how to do that. And I said, okay, well then if you know how to do it, I want to hear it. And I, and I said, let's act like I'm walking into your school. I'm walking to your school and you're going to introduce yourself to me. I am Mrs. Jones. I'm walking in. I'm Mrs. Jones and I've got a six-year-old kid and he's, he's named Chad and he's going to tell you, I'm going to ask you about your program. And I said, hi, my name is Mrs. Jones. I have a son. Uh, his name's Chad and he's six years old. Can you tell me about your program? And you said, <laughs> you said, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah. Um, let me tell you, ma'am, I will make your son the toughest kid in the school. <laughs> First thing out of your mouth. And I'm thinking, oh, everybody's going to run from that. This mom got one more kid fighting every day. <laughs> what are you doing? I said, okay, tell you what, I'm going to send you. I think we did it by fax. This is a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, it was about, like, yeah, we probably did it by fax. I, I sent you a fax of my phone presentation. And I said, let's let's start with that. <laughs> we started. <laughs> and, and I just. And I've, a lot of people had a phone presentation. I had several of them even before I, uh, while I was working for other guys. And 
I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is like a 10 minute phone presentation. And I still don't know anything about these people. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I one day I just watered them up and threw them away. I said, we're going to start over. What we're going to do on this phone presentation is I'm going to say, hi, my name is Terry Brumley. Uh, well, um, thanks for calling Talking University. Tell me what you're looking for. And as soon as I got there, it started growing. Not only most people are, will tell me what they're looking for, but there's another reason why they're looking for it. So in the martial art industry, we're kind of known for being for, for confidence and focus and discipline, you know, those things that people relate to us on. And those are the top three anyway that most people do call for. But some people may be slightly different. So I would say, uh, what specifically, what are you looking for? We specialize in these areas, but specifically, what are you looking for? And, and they would usually say, well, discipline or confidence or focus. And say, okay, long term, as I develop that trait, what will you see? Now, here's the key. This is really what they want. They'll go, oh, okay. Oh, my kid's getting bullied in school. Well, I don't want to say at that point, I'm going to make him the toughest kid in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell him. I'm going to okay, teach Mom. you how to smash that child. Okay. <laughs> right. I would say, now I know why you're calling. I can do that for you. So let's schedule a time for you to come in and just drop free class. And it was so simple. And the majority of people go, oh, so you can do that? I, you can help me? And if you can't, it's a free class anyway. I'm not out of anything. And therefore, I filled up my Taekwondo schools with that. Just That's, something as simple as that. As adults, you know, I think we try to make everything complex, complicated. But if we you, just try to sim- simplify this stuff, majority of business is pretty easy. I think you're I, – I, I remember that you're starting to kind of flash back on my memories. I remember having that. And, you know, I still do most of the phone calling today. I like answering the phone yeah. because I know if 90% of the time they're going to come in the door after I get done with them. And that's funny. I use that same line as soon as they said, what are you looking for exactly? Mm-hmm. And then they'll they'll tell me. And, it, and I say the same thing. You know, th- my school's built to help you with those kind of issues. What sure. What is it? Is there a time that you want to come and try? Or are you comfortable in a class situation? Or would you like a one-on-one you know, and let's, let's get you in. Let's see if we're a good fit for what you're looking for. It's a five minute phone call yeah. for uh, a thing. And uh, yeah. And I do remember telling that, well, you know, my reputation, I have a hard, I have a hard knock school, man. It, it's just always been this way. You know Talk what I mean? Talk about these students, man. You always yeah. have that. that. And awesome. uh, I've just, that's what we are. But you got to be careful how you advertise that. You know, you, it's, it's like a marriage. You got a honeymoon stage and, uh, once you can get through the honeymoon stage, then you can start getting into more of the, the yeah. hardcore training and stuff like that. You know me, I've just been kind of a hardcore guy anyway, but. Well, I found that most people join the program based on what they want, but they stay mm-hmm. in the program based on what you want for your, their child mm-hmm. or for the students. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah. They, they get to know you and go, yeah, I want my kid to be, strong and tough and dangerous then again i want him to be under control and mark cox he simply he, he uh, exudes all of those traits so i want him i want my child to be like him yeah so i tell everybody too everything that you see on my mat i still do today the me sir warrior club <laughs> the uh i'm a winner sir okay yeah. chitty up you know future black belt all of it give me some heat all of it 
I remember doing this for the week. Yeah. Because they asked me all the time, where did you come up with this? Because they, they think that I'm the, you know, the genius that came up with it. I said, no, I'm the genius that memorized it. <laughs> okay. And stole it. And if you would do what I do, I said, the me, sir, warrior club, when I watched Terry Brumley do it, right? Who wants to be a warrior? Me, sir. And what does the warrior, warrior have to have to be a warrior? Focus. focus. What do you focus on? Your purpose. purpose. What's the purpose? To build a to more build peaceful, a more peaceful world. world. Where, Where you, do you start it? In, in your, your heart. heart. What do you do with it? Share it with Share others. Share with everybody. What kind of black belt are you going to be? <laughs> Well-skilled, highly confident, <laughs> self-disciplined black belt, sir. Yes. Those are, yeah. Uh, we, just, yeah. I remember it. <laughs> when I saw it, it wasn't watching what the kids were doing. It was watching the parents nodding their head. And I said, I said to my students, I, we changed everything as soon as I got back. Mm. We implemented every one of those things. I'm a winner, sir. And I remember when I first did it, you know, a lot of schools were like, you know, these guys are crazy here. You know, uh, you know, chitty up. I'm a winner, sir. Face the flag, Cunha, future black belt, sir. Face forward, future black belt, sir. Right. And Chuby, <clears throat> the born to win the whole nine yards. Right. Yeah. And I said, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I watched a school that has three times the amount of students I do. And I watched parents nodding their head and saying, that's exactly what we're looking for. Yeah. And when I do the meets your war club today, get the same reaction. I do it all the time. Um, I do it in speeches. And I'll tell them, I said, let me tell you what how, what a warrior is. And let me tell you how I teach kids how to be a warrior. And I'll go right through that. I have it down to such a science that uh, people, even adults, are like shaking their head. Yeah. And this all came from you, right? And I told even Mikey, I said, hey, I said, um, I told Michael last year, I said, hey, it's, 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 it's going to be time that I send you down to Terry's now and, and have you... Uh, spend a week with him because I want you to uh, experience what, why the school is like it is. I cannot tell you now, um, Terry, how many thousands of lives you impact because I didn't have to close my doors. And then the next thing with you, you know, was you had Taekwondo university. So you franchised it out or licensed it, I guess is, is, is another way of saying it. But, um, and that was the next thing that I said that I wanted to do. I just kind of followed uh, your your lead on how you went about doing that. But you're, I tell everybody too, and I think that this is one of the reasons I want to have you on is because you're a businessman, you, you understood business. I'll never forget when I came to your first Taekwondo University school. First of all, you're right. You designed that school. It was so nice because I think you had big panels up. So the rooms were separate, if I remember right. Yeah. And it was so awesome that the parents couldn't yell at the, the Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the parents couldn't yell it at the kids because they're kind of back behind the. Yeah. Behind right. The nice glass. Yeah. Yes. But, but I it was speakers, awesome. But I had speakers back there where the parents <laughs> were. And they could sit comfortably and hear everything the instructors were saying. Yeah. And then we just, we had a little headset. For the yep. instructor, and they would, you know, know what the commands were, what the attitude of the class was, and all that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it was it was really good. How I saw all that. I you know when I was sitting watching, watch the kids, watch your demeanor with them. 
And I said, you know, that's stuff that has to change. I have to. And then you told me, uh, you told me the same thing. Mark, if you want to be around for a long time, you got to own your building. And it's stuck with me forever, mm-hmm. ever. And, you know, now I do own the Chatsworth location. Doesn't matter how I got it. It just me. It matters how I have it. And I had it because I built a relationship with the owner. That's an amazing story too. And, uh, and you know, he allowed me to have this and it's, it's been such a blessing ever since, but it's probably one of the main reasons that we survived COVID in a school like this. Now, can you imagine if I had that, that iron hand, um, Expensive you know, landlord, landlord right? That are six to eight thousand dollars a month. I saw several good martial art guys just had to go under during the COVID period. It was sad. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you had mentioned, you said, I was always trying to find what the parents wanted, and I and I always quoted Zig Ziglar. You you know I'm a big oh Zig yeah. Mm-hmm. And Zig says you can get anything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want. And I I really try to take that to heart. And the reason is because if, if I can help somebody get what they want, then they're going to pay for the service that I'm offering them. So I can use those funds to get what I want. And it's not just about money either. It's about relationships. So I've Mm -hmm. always tried to protect those relationships that we've, that we've uh, developed. But I don't allow myself to get so close that we're friends because as soon as and I tell my uh, instructors this, I said, if you're going to be that student's friend, then you're not going to be their instructor. You got to make you got to a fine line right there. You got to make it. Uh, you got to have the right attitude uh, that you are the instructor. You're the mentor now, and it, that's difficult for teenagers. You know, they they want to be liked. They want everybody to like them. Uh, but I wanna, let's talk about attitude for a little bit, because do you mind? We, no, sure. no, no, sir. No, sir. Jeff Victor's saying hi to you here. You see him right there? Uh, He's on. He yes, just sir. sent you a little his, note. His daughter is one of my teenage instructors. Yeah. Ah. Hey, Master Wadley. Good morning, sir. So, it just so, but yeah, let's talk about attitude. I think that's important. Well, in school, they have subjects they have to teach, and they're so busy teaching those subjects they're really not spending a lot of time teaching attitude, the, the, the correct attitude or positive attitude. And a lot of people ask me, so, so you think you need to have a positive attitude? And I'll tell them, I don't think a positive attitude will do anything for you, but I think a positive attitude will help you do everything better than a negative attitude. So the, since, you, since we have to strive to have a positive attitude, we also need to have a skill. So we're, so we talk about that well-skilled, highly confident, self-disciplined black belt. And that well-skilled is where some people start gaining the confidence in themselves because they're become skilled in what they are learning. Now, if they're, if they're taught well, and we, we make sure their instructors are there, me and the instructors are, are have a good game plan on every class that we go into. And we do the best we can to teach the students uh, to, to uh, be the best that they can possibly be and in a very encouraging, inspiring way. Um, and so we have the skill set. That's important. we got to have skill. You can't just have attitude. You can't just have a positive attitude and expect 
to be successful in life. It doesn't work that way. I have a friend that I graduated high school with. He was going to be a professional psychiatrist, best psychiatrist in the world, he would say. Well, in fact, he was one year of, and, uh, one year older than me. So he graduated a year before. Well, he decided not to go to school in that first year. So the second year, I'm thinking, we're going to go to school together. We can ride, share together, go to this community college for, together, and that that'll be cool, save on gas and everything. Well, I came to him, and I said, hey, I've got class schedule. What do you got? He goes, well, I think I'm going to take off the second year and a third year and a fourth year. And he had a great attitude. He had the attitude that would that everybody wanted to have, but the challenge, you never got the skill. And if you don't have the skill set in what you're trying to uh, do, then I don't care what positive attitude you have. So you got to do both. You've got to have the commitment to work hard to learn the skill. And so they're walking in to learn Taekwondo from me. So we start off with, we're going to have a uh, well-skilled, highly confident, self-disciplined black belt. Well, the confidence comes, and let's talk about the confidence and courage attitude, because confidence is a real important aspect of life, because confidence develops courage. And let me let me give you an example. If let's say you're going to teach a student how to break a board on uh, how to break boards, well, we're going to start with boards. We're going to start hitting the pad or hitting the bag, and we're going to pound it and we're going to hit it, and we're going to imagine that our foot's going right through the board. That because nobody breaks boards for hitting boards, people break boards for going through boards. That's and right. so you, what you have to do is get their confidence up on the bag get their confidence up on the pad. Therefore, they're telling each other, saying their self-talk, I know I can break this. I know I've got what it takes. But at the same time, they can't be hitting it weak and saying the positive thing because it's not working. Now you're not congruent with who you are. So I've got to kick the bag hard and I've got to believe I can go through the board. And so once that we develop the confidence within a student that they can break the board, we put the board in front of them. That's when courage comes in. See, courage is accomplishing that goal. Hitting the bag was practice. But i got to eliminate fear in my life. And the only way I can eliminate fear in my life is through courage. I've got to be courageous enough to break through this board. So I tell them, don't change anything. In fact, I don't even let them practice hitting the board. When When that board is set up, they break the board. They don't do another kick to touch the board because that'll eliminate confidence and courage real quick. They just break through the board. And I tell them, you've already practiced. You're already confident in your in your ability. Now let's have enough courage. Let's get through the fear. Let's have enough courage to get through this board. And board breaking to me is very much eliminating fear in our life. And mm-hmm. if we can start eliminating fear in our life, we can go anywhere. We can accomplish anything. We can do things we couldn't do before because of fear. Fear will stop you in your tracks. But can't, man, I've had so many of my friends. I've got one of my sons is is and I look talking to a guy the other day about um, about a, uh, a, a an RV park that we're considering getting into. We're going to get into that. Consider getting in that business. And he and he said, well, you know, I've developed a lot of RV parks out there. I've really designed them and everything, and I've really got everything I need to know. But you know, I just haven't pulled the trigger on buying the land. We said, how, how long have you been working on this? Years. <laughs> you know, it, there's something there that's stopping him from succeeding. And you have to take risks to make it. 
Well, you have to. There's no way that you can't make a success in your life unless you take risk. And so that risk that you have, are forced to take, it's so important that if you don't take the risk, how are you going to ever take bigger risks later? So mm -hmm. your job is to eliminate fear. And then you got to learn from it. If you eliminate fear in your life, there's one of my buddies, Scooter Taylor. He's hey, hey, yeah. Mr. Taylor. Yeah, he's a he's a success story too. Yeah. It was yeah. well, you know, these are the, these are the kind of guys we should uh have on right after uh right after you to talk about what they did. This is Mr. Warren saying hi to you also. Hey Mr. Warren, <laughs> we are champions, sir. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. The, the the attitude I wanted to fulfill with these kids is when they walked out of my place. They were better informed to deal with the tough parts of life more than they were when they walked in. If I can just help them just take that step. So everybody's going to be slightly different. Everybody's going to be a better, uh, somebody's going to be a better technician. Somebody can do forms a little better. Somebody can do board breaking a little better. Somebody can free spar a little better. That's good. I'm going to try to help them in all aspects. But the main thing is if you don't have the right attitude, all that skill level is not any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah, that's powerful. Thank I think you. that and don't you think that you know you know, we get to use that tool, <clears throat> the martial arts tool for that. But how true is it in anything that you're doing in life, whether you are trying to get ahead in business or whatever else, isn't that attitude just carry over? Don't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I could have never taken the risk to build that first building. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have the confidence that I'd already gained through Taekwondo and the students that are already developing the Taekwondo need, I, I started looking uh, Peter Daniels uh, is a great mentor. And, and I love what Zig talks about. Whenever you learn something, try to give credit to the person you learned because, you know, it's the right thing to do. And secondly, if they were wrong about it, well, it ain't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> okay. uh, I didn't give you bad advice. Somebody else did. <laughs> okay so peter daniels <laughs> i'm sorry that's funny okay. that's awesome uh, uh P peter daniels was a god of australia they came to our church one day and and uh and he and our preacher said hey he's gonna listen five minutes of this guy and then he's gonna come tonight and if y'all want to come and watch well and come and listen to him. And, and you know, nobody goes to church on Sunday night around here. It just didn't happen. So I go and I get there about the same, about the time it starts. And the parking lot is packed. I mean, this place is full. It's set on the very back row. In fact, they were pulling out extra chairs because they didn't assume this many people show up. So he got up and he spoke. Peter Daniels was an illiterate bricklayer in Australia. And Billy Graham came to Australia and the only reason he went to the crusade is because when it was free and secondly, they were giving out free lunches. So he took him in his <laughs> so he can, you know, he can get some free lunches. And he said, while I was there, there was something that happened. He said, I was the furthest you could get away from, from uh, Billy Graham in the stadium. Oh, the absolute furthest away. He said, but he looked right in my eyes and he said, you were the son of a king. He said, I went home. And told my wife, I said, he told me I was the son of a king. And she said, yeah, I believe that. And you need to start acting like it. So, <laughs> so Peter Daniels said, if I'm going to be the son of a king, I got to learn things. And he didn't know how to read. So he literally 
only had a fourth grade education. So he literally went and bought three dictionaries and he started in the, in those dictionaries that he wrote. Um, I mean, he read and he, he said, I put one in uh, my excuse for a car, one in the bathroom, one in my living room. And I just read dictionaries. And he said, eventually I went to, uh, the, uh, library and I said, I need to, I'm going to learn now I've learned how to read. I need to learn how to be successful. So I need you to show me books, how to be successful. And they said, we don't know how to be successful. We're librarians. We, they, said, what? they said, well, tell me about books that people have written about being successful. And they said, well, I guess the autobiographies over there, nobody reads them. Check out as many as you want. So he said, I started reading autobiographies and he read 1800 of them. And he started mm -hmm. depicting one thing and what they had in common. That was when they would go from zero to success. And, and that's the only reason you'd ever want to uh, write an autobiography. And if you already were born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you didn't really take anywhere else. Why, you don't need to write an autobiography or if you're poor and you're still poor, or if you're, uh, uh, uneducated, and you're still educated, you're not writing an autobiography. Then, but people went from zero to success, wrote autobiographies and he started charting it over 1800 people. He charted on how to be successful and he found the number one thing they felt there was a purpose. There was a destiny they were supposed to fulfill. So I mm. want my students, and we all even have in our, the principles <laughs> that I have in my book, live your potential is how to be purposeful in your life. I believe that we need to ask the students in our school, why do you feel like you were born? Why do you feel like you are here on this earth? Why do you feel like you were born into your parents or around the friends you have or around the people you have? Why do you think that you need to be here? And what is it that you can contribute to society because of that? And if they can have purpose, it drives them. It gives and inspires them and drives them to the place that they can make, make a better life for themselves and they can accomplish greater things because they're, nobody has purpose to harm anything, but people have purpose to expand and, and, and encourage and, and uh, inspire other people. And when, and, and whatever it is, whether it's building a car or whether it's making a better vacuum cleaner or, or whatever it is. So if we, uh, Grandmaster Cox can inspire <laughs> our students to be purposeful in their life, I believe they will leave our place in a much better place in, in a, I will leave our Taekwondo schools and our martial arts schools in a much better place than they found themselves. So that's my goal. I want to help them accomplish not only that they're going to be well-skilled, that they're going to be highly confident, that they're going to be self-disciplined. You need all those things, but you are here for a reason. And if you can figure out what that reason is and you can go accomplish that, you have purpose in your life. And what greater trait could we have than to give, than to help people have purpose in their life? Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that, <clears throat> drew me to you you and your school so much right here because you've been saying the same thing for so long um yeah mr warren put out that <laughs> he was there in I, 1995 when yeah. i came in 1995 i guess i did a seminar there and i broke well i'm always breaking concrete wherever yeah. i went so uh yeah that, that's, that's awesome yeah see what he's written down there that's awesome here's another one that oh master burton <laughs> Stay in the buggy, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. 
me and Matt Burton have stayed friends, man. We just we. we Why does the name sound so familiar? He ran a taekwondo school in Bartlett. Uh, Didn't we go there? Didn't I go there with you? He eventually bought that school from me. Yeah, yeah. He was. uh, You were here, I think, the second or third time that you were here. Then by that time, he was here with us. Yes, I I know that. I remember that name. Yeah, he was involved with our taekwondo business then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. He's a great guy. That. He's he literally retired over in Hot Springs. Yeah, sold that's... his school in Bartlett. The one I sold to him, he sold it. He moved to Hot Springs, built a beautiful building, and uh stayed there for a long time. And then uh and just recently he sold it and has retired. So he he's still kicking and punching, man. He's still <laughs> Master Burton can't stop teaching. You, you got, he's got one of the best attitudes in, on the face of the earth, but he, and he can't stop teaching. So he's not teaching day in and day out. And I was like, Hey, Burton, how you doing? Oh man, you, I got this neighborhood kid. You know, he comes over all the time because he sees me outside and kicking and punching. He's come over. So I guess he's my student. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get it, man. I don't, so several people asked me, they said, well, when are you going to retire? I go, what, what will I do? Yeah, what, what would, what would we do? What are we going to do? Some of them, many of my friends, I'll turn 65 this February. I'm right behind you, bro. I'm 61. So I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking right up behind you. Trust me. And many of my friends are retired or at least starting to retire. And in that process of them retiring, many of them are asking me, they said, well, what, what do you, uh, I'll ask them. What do you think about retirement? Oh, it's the best thing I ever did. Man, it's awesome. It's great. Do whatever I want to do. And, uh, then they said, when are you going to retire? I go, ah, I'm doing what I want to do. So I don't know. <laughs> now I am working for, with my boys and we're working on some of these other investments because I want my money to start working for me instead of me of always having to work for money. And and we're doing real well with that. I'm, I'm investing well and spending some good quality time. Well, uh, I think, uh, you. I mean, that was one of the other lessons that you taught me about money. You know, we didn't have anything to be honest with you, we didn't have anything with, uh, nobody teaches. I'm not really sure to be honest with you today, Terry, that, cause I've got some good friends that have really good schools, but you know, it, it you might be school rich, but you're, you, you, you know, you're, uh, poor in, in the time. And I would probably stay in that, in that realm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, Hey, Hey, uh, I'm almost 65. Give me a bathroom break. I'll be back in 30 seconds. <laughs> so why? Well, let's talk about Scooter while you're on here. Scooter, let me tell you what. Let's see what you put on here, right? Brumley has a unique ability to draw you in, make you feel like you're the only student in the class, and then leave with confidence of a black belt, even if you were a green belt. Yeah, I believe that, Mr. Taylor. I believe that big time um, for sure. Let's go back to Mr. Warren here. So, Mr. Warren, you said I was back there in 1995. I remember going back there quite a bit. I'd come up for his black belt test, and I'm not sure what what seminars and stuff I was doing back then. But yes, I was I was definitely in my heyday of breaking bricks back in 1995 for sure. I traveled the circuit for a long, long time doing uh, brick breaking and carrying that on and. So you're doing it now. So if you it, do, you still break today, uh, or is that something that you did? Uh, and do you still do it today? 
and then scooter what what are you doing now scooter by your by the way are you in doing i'm talking to your students here mr I warren see. scooter and yeah, uh he's a great guy he's not yeah. too far from you man he's up in san, uh, san francisco who is scooter is yeah yeah and he's doing extremely good, man. He's Look what he wrote. Look at what he writes. He goes, I built a seven-figure business during the pandemic. And while that sounds great, there are still ups and downs. It's been uh, great to call Grandmaster Brumley to remind me that I'm equipped to handle it. Yeah. Say, yeah, that's yeah. good, right? He'd be a great one that you could interview on your podcast. Yeah. I say, well, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to reach and, out. And, uh, and, Grandmaster, and, and Master Burton, Chief Master Burton as well, because, man, he's just – he's. He's got a great attitude. When when Grandmaster Burton sold his building in Hot Springs, he retired. And so I asked him a couple months later, I said, hey, how do you like retirement? He said, you mean free retirement? I said, well, what'd you call it? He said, because he's, he's the one that helped me develop some of these phrases and stuff. He was, he was a big part of that well-skilled, highly confident, self-disciplined black belt. Who wants to be a warrior? He was all he was big on that because Burton's got the best attitude. And so uh, he said, free retirement. I said, what is free retirement? He goes, as soon as I retired, all my buddies needed something to, to be done to their house or their boat or their uh, garage. And they all wanted me to do it for free. <laughs> he, said, he said, okay, <laughs> I basically have to get out of free retirement. I got to have some time for myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to do this. So what I did is I put my email out there for scooter and for Mr. Warren and for Burton. So Good, yeah. you guys just email me and I, I'd love to have, I, I'd love to have that, um, talk. We'll have something in common. Interesting that Mr. Warren talks about Bo that uh, he came out with another guy named Bo DeRocher yeah. that did weapons. Yeah. That was my, uh, that was my, for all purposes, an adopted son. And he's in Idaho now. You can find Bo DeRocher in Idaho. He's teaching Krav Maga. He's got a big school out there in Idaho. So he's just kind of carried it on and stuff. And Mr. Warren said he did compete in in the U.S. Open with Chip Townsend. And Chip Townsend is a really good friend of mine. Uh, So, yeah, I definitely know him. You need to get Mr. Warren on your podcast as well. He has become very successful. He was just a teenager, just a kid when I started, and then a teenager when I hired him to to teach for me. And he's gone on to – have a, a really beautiful school over close to the Nashville area and has a, a very successful operation. He's taught a lot of guys uh, to become world champions. It's, mm. it's phenomenal. I'll let him share all that with you. I'm not- yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that these guys are some, well, obviously you've had a, a big impact on them also, just like you've had on me and uh, something for you to be proud of. Cause sometimes we're in the, <laughs> I know this, that sometimes we never kind of sit back and really look at what we've done because we're just kind of in the middle of it all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get to see, you get to see the, the fruits of your labor. Uh, and then, you know, doing, doing business with, uh, and building businesses all from, all from martial arts. And I think that's one of the things that I learned from you the most. I, I do remember so much. I'll never forget when you told me that you built your building. This was one, this was a major thing for me in my head and said, and I remember telling myself, nobody's ever taught me this. You said, I built my building. And what I did is I took um, money out of the equity of my building and I paid for my house outright, being able to pay my note, which was a tax write-off and had a a clear, a, a free and clear home. I'll never forget that. I'm like... 
Why is this not taught to anybody ever? Um, um, Zig talks about following successful people. Peter wrote, Peter uh, talked about following successful people. And I mean, a lot, almost all the books out there talk about how to follow successful people. Um, have you ever read the book, um, Power of Positive Thinking by Norma Vincent Peale? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, wrote, I read that book prior to going to Birmingham, Alabama. And I was in Birmingham for a little, um, little over a year. Um, and before I came to Memphis, it's 1984. Peter, uh, I mean, uh, Norman Vincent had made a, such an impact on my life. And that's who kind of moved me towards all the positive thinking stuff. And I was, so I was into Zig at that point as well. And, um, one of the things that, that happened in Birmingham was there was a used bookstore right beside me and I went in and bought a a book, The Power of Positive Thinking, and it was the 16th edition. Now, this thing had went through like 100 editions because it sold millions and millions of copies throughout the world. Well, when I came to Memphis, I brought the book on, and, and then I was having a little Christmas party for some of my students, and this guy comes over, he pulls the book off the shelf, and he's looking at it, and he said, so this is the 16th edition of, of, the, of uh, this Power of Positive Thinking. And, and I said, yeah. And he said, uh, I would like to, uh, to, uh, give you one of the first copies. I said, yeah, you got one of the first copies. He goes, yeah, it's a lot better shape than this one. I said, yeah, I'm sure you do. And I thought he was joking. Well, the next day he comes into our Taekwondo school and he goes, you've done a lot for my son and I'm going to give you this. It's been a prize, a pride of, of, in our family for a while, but you've done a lot and I really appreciate you what you're doing. And, and I know that you're a big Norman Vince Peel fan. I want to give you this. So I thought, man, not only is the first edition that that book ever came out, but what would be awesome is for me to get it signed. So I called the church that he was in New York City, and I knew he'd retired. So I talked to the secretary and said, hey, I want to the first edition. I'm going to get Norman Vincent Peale to sign it. Would, is there any way possible that you could figure out a way to, that you could get me in contact with him? She said, hold on a second. So a guy gets on the phone. He goes, hello. And I said, yeah, I've got this book. And you know, I tell him about it. And he said, I'd love to sign your book. Well, I, said, I was speaking to Norma Vincent Peale. He said, "Yes." I said, "Oh, sir, I, I didn't know. I didn't know it was you." And I'm starstruck here. And I said, "Oh, oh uh, I would, yeah, I've got this book, and I want you to sign it." He said, "I, I only live a couple of blocks from the church. I still come down here. They give me an office. I'm retired, but." I hang out there down here and I, I work with some kids, do some counseling and stuff. And I would love to sign your book for you. I said, awesome. So I started. So I told Julie, I said, I'm going to New York. I'm going to get this signed. And a, a month passes and two months and six months and he died. Oh, and I didn't get it signed. Oh. And that moment changed me. And I thought, you know what? Procrastination is one of the, deadly sins. I mm. should have booked a flight or jumped in my car and drove to New York immediately. I knew he was old. I knew he was feeble. I could hear it in his voice, but I didn't. Still got the book unsigned. So it's a reminder of mm. to me that, you know, you're only going to have a little time on this earth. 
and you need to accomplish whatever you possibly can. Don't procrastinate. Don't, if you, if you want something, go get it, go get it. Don't wait for somebody else to get it for you. Don't wait around for, for your ship to come in because it ain't, you got to swim out to it. You go get it. And, and I, that's one thing it's, it, that was probably would not have increased the value and I wouldn't sell it anyway. Right. It only increased the value to you. That's it. Right. I would never sell something like that either. Yeah. So I, you know, there are certain things in life that I want to teach my students to eliminate procrastination in your life. Go for it. Just go. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Go for it. Because when you go for it and you, even though you step out on the edge of that, that, uh, plank, and you jump in anyway, you are not going to know if those are uh, what you're going to get into. But but unless you're willing to take the risk, how are you going to ever accomplish anything? That's right. Yeah, I those are such these are the life lessons, like, like uh, your stories, which reminds me of something. You tell me if you remember this. Every time I come out, came out to you and. I remember proving myself to you, say, you got to implement this. I'm not showing you anything else unless you implement this. And then it's funny. I do the same thing right now when I, when I help people, I came out there one time and you said, I got a surprise for you this time. And you took me over to the owner of the holiday Inn. <laughs> you met Kim as Wilson. Then. Yeah. Yes, I did because yeah, of I, you. And, and I have that. I, I have that book that's signed. Yeah. It's still sitting right here in my office. Yeah. Um, uh, half luck and half brains. That's right. Half luck, <laughs> half luck, half brains. And you know, and he's passed on too. And you remember us sitting in there and him telling us the stories of his holiday Inn, why he put food in them. And I remember you doing that for me, taking me over to meet somebody of that caliber. You remember that day? I do remember that day. I, I went over to see Kimmins Wilson probably 20 or 30 times. Um, by the time I got to meet him, uh, his he was already retired, but his retirement was he would told his wife, I won't schedule any more appointments. <laughs> he always got up, put a suit on, and went to his office. I called him. I said, hey, Mr. Wilson, uh, can I come over? Well, you know, I don't set appointments, but I'm here. I said, okay, I'm coming over. This <laughs> <laughs> his way of still being in touch with, with the world. Hey. He, he walked in. I'd, I'd already been... Um, communicating with him and talking to him for probably six months or so. And I, I was at Elm of Taekwondo floor. I was teaching and um, one of my instructors came in and he said, uh, sir, you've got somebody in your office that wants to talk to you. And I said, well, in class, who is it? Somebody wants an appointment or what? And he said, no, I don't know what they want, but he's in their, their office. Two of them. I said, well, Oh, handle this class. I'll be, I'll go find out. I was a little irritated. And I walked in, there's a guy sitting I had my desk and desk, uh, my desk behind uh, a chair behind my desk. And there was two chairs in front. One guy was sitting in one of those chairs and Kimmons Wilson was sitting in my chair behind my desk with his feet <laughs> on my desk. And he goes, come on in young man. I said, I think that's the first time I've ever been invited into my own office. <laughs> he, he said, I want to buy this building. I want to buy it now. This is my attorney. He's going to settle this for us. 
I said, I don't want to sell this building. I built this building. I designed this building. It's a good looking building. I like it. I drove by and I thought, yeah, I bet that's that guy who come, who's been coming to see me, that karate guy. I'm going to, I want to buy this building from you. I'll, I got land all over this world. I'll, I'll put you wherever you want to be. I'll, I'll build you this same building. If you want me to, wherever you want, I want this building. I said, well, sir, I, <laughs> I've already got these beautiful students here. I'm my, my life and soul is in this and what they're trying to do. I said, I can't sell you this building. He said, you'll change your mind. And he got up and walked out. <laughs> I went to see you about a week later. I said, you still want to buy my building? Yes, I do. And every, so after that, I always walk in there. The first thing I would say is, Hey, Mr. Wilson, you really still want to buy my building? Yeah, but you ain't gonna sell it to me. <laughs> I'll never forget that, man. We had such a great time sitting with him talking, and I have a signed book from him. That was just Amazing one of those things guy. that you did. He built you know, that Holiday Inn up to 19, uh, 1,700 Holiday Inns before he sold it. And he when he, he went in to have a, a bypass, like a triple bypass, and uh, his directors had, had proposed that they want to do a uh, uh, they want to buy the Perkins restaurants and combine them with Holiday Inn. He said, no, guys, we don't make any money on our restaurants. We are not in the restaurant business. No, we're not buying restaurants. That's not the business we're in. Well, he went to have his trouble bypass. He's in the hospital for a while, came home. And then, then when he finally felt well enough, he came back and found out that those guys had bought the Perkins restaurants. And he said, that's it. You're not following me. I want my stock. Give me my, my money for my stock that I have, and, and I'll go do something else. So about a week later, he called me and said, hey, where's where's my money? They said, well, sir, you have so much stock and this company is worth so much. He said, well, how much? I need a check. I need you to write me a check. They said, well, your stock is worth $660 million. He goes, oh, don't write me a check for that. <laughs> I won't pay a bunch of taxes. Let's, let's figure it out. So he said, I called my attorney and I said, uh, or accountant. And he said, uh, how, how do I hide this? <laughs> I don't want to how do I hide it? So he put it in trust funds and mm. uh, therefore he had, it would go to his kids and their kids and their kids. So anybody that went through college that was directly related to him, like a grandchild, and they would have to go work for a different company, a top 500 uh, company. They would have to run a department. They'd have to increase the, de uh, the department's uh, value by 50% for four years running. And then they could come and work for him. And if they did that, so he, he, now they've got it, they're educated and now they're being successful in the business and now they come to work for him. And he said they would have a hundred, they'd have a million dollars sitting in their account. The first year they'd get none of it. The end of the first year would be worth 200,000. The next year, 400,000, 600,000, all the way up to five years. And then they could walk away with it if they wanted to. But most of them, by that time, it's within the corporation. And so this, it's literally valued as stock, as stock. So he said, you know, then I just build the corporation for whoever we wanted to keep. So it was an amazing guy. But he, see, mm -hmm. I said, well, is, did your accountant figure all that out? I mean, and your attorneys and stuff? He goes, yeah, they figured out what I told them. When he retired, okay, when he retired, one day his, his wife, well, that was before he retired, uh, his his uh, wife always took the grandkids and they would go do something on Saturday morning. Well, she wasn't feeling well one day and he didn't have a meeting. So he, she asked him, she said, can you take them someplace? He said, sure. And so he went up, he said, I put them all in the car and went up to Piggly Wiggly. He said four or five of them in there. And we, I said, y'all get a candy bar and cold drink. 
And he said, I threw $2 on the register. And the lady goes, uh, sir, it's like $7. So he goes, no, you got to ring that up again. No, candy ain't that cheap. Candy's not that expensive. And Cokes are not that expensive. She goes, yes, sir. Prices have gone up. They are. And he said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I took my, I called my secretary. You got to come in watch, watch my grandkids. He said, I, <laughs> I called one of the, my directors. I said, I'm ready, uh, I'm ready to buy a candy uh, factory. Go find me a candy factory that's for sale. He said, before the end of the day, he found one in San Diego. This out here and close to your neighborhood. He said, the guys, he said, why are you trying? He said, I, I talked to him. So why are you trying to sell? He said, because I don't have my, uh, I'm, I'm not a, a U.S. citizen. I'm from Mexico and I came here and I built this company, but uh, now I've been told I have to leave. So that's the only reason I'm selling. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I want you to come to Memphis and we're going to bring every bit of the factory and everything right here to Memphis. And I'm going to own this factory and you're going to run it for me for five years and I'll give you what you want for it. But you got to stay here and run it for me for five years and I'll give you a nice salary. He goes, sir, you don't understand. They're deporting me. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. I own several senators. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just that i remember was, that was the guy remember, we met that's, that's the guy right i remember how eccentric he was when we did sit down in his office and meet with him yeah. i was like wow this is just unreal yeah. this is unreal and uh on 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 what it was and i remember you doing that for me uh taking me over there to, to meet him it was always something you know and of course we always saw elvis's house and made sure your wife comes because she couldn't stand it going. So that was good. Um, <laughs> because that's what everybody wants to do when they come. That's is right. go to see Elvis' house. We've you know what I mean? And then I learned all kinds of stuff about Elvis, even from you on that. You know, being an Elvis fan that I was. It was, that was awesome. Now your book, let's talk about the book that you wrote real quick. Because okay. we're winding up this hour. So yeah. why don't we tell everybody the name of the book? Uh, Live Your Potential. Now, did you write that as for your students or what, what made you go ahead and author a book? I journal a lot. I journal a, a lot. So eventually, I mean, Julie kept saying, just write the book. <laughs> so I said, okay, it's time. So I went through and read all my journals and it took me a while. I mean, they were in, in the attic and different places and boxes. And I was going, I, I think I'm missing one or two because these dates aren't right. So I always try to write the date down of every night that I journal. And so uh, I read all the journals and I started writing and it just, it was just something I want to tell stories about that happened uh, and in my life and what some of the, I'll call them rules that I've applied to my life to help me become successful. Uh, principles are really what they are, the principles of life. And we were talking about a couple of them all ago. It's confidence and courage is one of the principles. Uh, a positive attitude is one of the principles. Uh, power of the mind is a principle. Being purposeful is a principle. So what I would do is write the story because Zig taught me this a long time ago. He said, he said, people don't remember facts, that they remember stories. And if you can tie into a principle mm -hmm. or a fact into a story, they'll remember it longer. So I would, I would try to reach back and try to find stories that happened in my life. And then I would take those stories and, um, uh, and then apply the principles to it, figure out which principle need to apply to what story. And I wrote about twice as much of, that I needed. And that was, that was okay. I, I wanted to have more materials possible. And so I finally just condensed it, condensed it, condensed it. And then, uh, 
uh, I wanted to make sure that it was as best I possibly could make it. So I looked for a book editor. And so I got a hold of a guy and he, he said, uh, yeah, I can help you. I've got several people who are, who will do this, um, editing. I said, okay, well, how much it cost? And he told me, and I said, okay, great. I'll send you the money and go, go do the editing of it. But what I thought was they were going to edit it and send it back and it was going to be perfect. But what happened was the young lady who he, he had me interview about five people that worked for him and I chose one of them. So what, what happened is she would take one chapter or part of a chapter and say, okay, here's where you're going with this, but you're moving over to this part of the story. Can we change this? Can we adjust this? And I'm thinking I'm working harder. I'm working harder than she is. I feel like, why am I paying you? But, but it was exactly what needed to happen. And so I, he was out of Dallas. Now I just assumed she was out of Dallas. We literally had this relationship for about a, uh, six months. And then she said to me, uh, uh, well, I, I said, is it raining over there? And she said, no. I said, I thought I saw in the news uh, weather report there was rain over there. She goes, I'm in Argentina. I said, oh, <laughs> I had no idea where you were from, but it, but, but it became a very valuable tool the, for me because then I started putting the principles on the wall and having the students memorize it and tell them stories that would pertain to it so they could stick with it. And there's three parts that with these principles, one is to get it memorized. Secondly, understand it. And three is how to implement it in your life. Because no matter what we know, Master Cox, if we can't implement something in our life, that, that information is invaluable. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's my live your potential. So your live your potential, where is that? Is that book on Amazon? Where do you, where do you have it? Do you uh, still sell yeah, it? I think it is. I think it's on Amazon or or uh, it's on iBooks or uh, I haven't. Uh, I had one of my instructors reading part of it to the class the other day. I didn't even <laughs> we had a copy. So uh, I mainly just go through the principles right now. And yeah, I think it's. I, I guess it was probably on Amazon. You see that? You see, you know, and if I'm going to find out if it's on Amazon, you know what? I'm going to find that out today. Live okay. your potential is on Amazon. And then what I might do is go buy a half a dozen of them. And I'm going to send them to your house for you to sign them. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm out here for those to get it though. Hey, Kim Wilson made you come all the way out here to get his, <laughs> Look, I'm gonna make you come out loud here. To <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm taking a look right now. Live your uh, potential and see if this is if this is on as we're speaking by Terry Brumley. Oh man, there's all kinds of potentials like this. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to research this a little bit more. All right. And see I'll where this where this is at. But I'm gonna do that, and then uh, I think that. Yeah, I'd like to come out to you. Well, last time we spoke, man, I'd like to come back out there. And, uh, you know, you still have a school and stuff out there that you run. So I can get out there and uh, we can do some crop stuff with, uh, you know, or jujitsu or whatever. And I would love have to some fun, have some fun out I there and do that. To. We, need, and, we need to, uh, you know, Elvis is now um, Elvis Presley is now, you know, renovated. So, you know, we got to go see yeah. him. It's true. You know, I got to make sure Julie's ready to go. <laughs> there you go. Back up. Grandmaster Lee, who is one of my instructors, he's one of the ones that ranked me the ninth degree. He, uh, he wanted to come see Elvis. So 
I didn't realize that it was going to be so crowded. So we picked him up, me and Bert picked him up from the airport, went over to Elvis. I got two, about two hours before he does some seminars. And I thought, we've got plenty of time. We get over there and they said, uh, well, we're selling tomorrow's tickets, but we're almost out. I said, hold it. You, I can't get in today. And they go, no, I'm sorry. I said, well, what about, I, I showed, it was a bus out. And I said, what is that? Where's that bus going? I said, that's the VIP bus. I said, oh, well, what does that mean? They said, those tickets are sold over there. You need to go over there. And they're expensive, I'm thinking. Oh, I've already told this guy who's ranking me the ninth degree, who's going to be testing Burton for his eighth degree. And it's, I am not going to see Elvis while you're here. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I went over and they said, yeah, we've got, we got three seats available. I said, I don't even want to know how much they are. Just sell them to me. Here's the card. <laughs> so, so we literally, I mean, I'd never been on the VIP tour. It was amazing. They, there was a lot of other things. Now you're probably going to want to do that. So Yeah, see? So I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> now, I now that. I yeah, I have not experienced now, the VIP but for it was, sure. It was pretty amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Jessica Brumley says, yes, it's available on Amazon. Oh, thank you, Jessica. <laughs> 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 now is that a daughter-in-law oh uh, that could be uh <laughs> yes that's my best mother. i have two jessica brumleys ah in my life two of my sons are married to jessica you you knew nick and uh, you knew alex and eli but i don't think you ever met nick and noah uh they were and, and they are and noah's wife is jessica and ah. he's in he's in louisiana and and uh, Alex's wife is Jessica. She's here in Olive Branch area with us. And so, yeah, I remember it was one of your it was the son that played the most baseball. That's who's that's whose room. Yeah, he got kicked out of his room when I came into town. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were li- now we were living. Uh, did you co- have you come to see us since we've been on the bed and breakfast? Or no, I have not seen yeah. that. Yeah. We won't have to kick Eli out. He's got his own family now. He's he's married, got three beautiful children. In fact, I was over at his house yesterday. I picked up one of my grandchildren. Well, hold on. Two of my granddaughters met me at Buffalo Wild Wings so I could watch a little football last night or yesterday. Uh, one of them had to go to work. And the other one, uh, I said, come on, I'll ta- I'm taking you home. So we went by Eli's house and went and looked at his three children. So I got to spend time with five grandchildren yesterday. Yes. That was, that was pretty awesome. So that's 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 really awesome. So uh, I haven't I haven't announced this to anybody yet, but I you know, in 2023, you know, I'm keeping my real talk, you know, this is kind of an interview type of um uh, podcasting that I do, right? And I started this just because I wanted some legacy for my kids yeah. so that they can know what their dad's about and my the, my great great grandkids that I'll never meet can say, "Oh, this this was my you know, yeah, my great, cool. great grandfather, whatever. And, and what, why, you know, what I was about and, and who I knew in life and why I got where I was. And, um, so, and cause you know, you've always been kind of family. I don't know if you know this, but I, I if you remember this, I think, was it your grandfather? We went somewhere and yeah. I got to sit with him. We call I don't know what we lines. did. Yeah. We, yeah, we were, we went to a park. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful park um audubon park i believe uh, something to that effect and i got to sit with him yeah for a few hours he was an amazing man pop pop lions um he was left-handed he was adopted so they didn't know any 
anybody behind in his family that was left-handed. He didn't have any left-handed children, and I was his only left-handed grandchild. And so me and him. Both oh, uncles up, uh, but I invite, uh, but I asked him, uh, but the weatherman couldn't come at the time, but I asked those two, I said, I'm not going to take pop's name for my grandchildren, unless y'all give me permission to. And they said, we would love for you to be pop. So wow. yeah, so I had a really good relationship with him. Now my father is 93 years old. He is still walks about a mile, mile and a half a day. He reads the Bible from front to back every year. He still teaches Sunday school class. He's in an assisted living home now that he can come and go whenever he wants. And him, uh, I picked him up, uh, all five of our children uh, and their spouses and all of my nine grandchildren went up to Pettigene Mountain, which is in, in Arkansas. And we spent uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, and it was amazing. I called mm -hmm. my kids. I said, "Y'all want to go to Petty Jean Mountain?" They go, "Why don't we want to go there?" <laughs> I said, well, "I don't know." They said, "I don't. I don't know if I want to." I said, "Well, your grandfather's coming." They go, "Okay, we'll be there." So <laughs> they don't want to hang out with me, but they want to hang out with with my dad. <laughs> he he's an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I would it, like I would like for you to meet him. I think you did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Because, okay, that weekend you did a demo at one of, because we had a big testing and you did a demo with it and Bo was with you and you borrowed my grandmother's cane. Oh, that's right. And you was flipping him and spinning him around and stuff. And you pulled that cane hook up between his legs. And she said, I'm not touching that cane. I am not that. No, tell him what. I don't know. So my dad had to go in the bathroom and wash it off. We couldn't leave the auditorium. He had to I didn't know this was happening because I was dealing with all the other things, you know, part of testing. But they told me later. I remember that. I washed it off for her. Oh, man. I kind of remember that for sure, man. I remember I did something, too, with an umbrella one time. Somebody just had an umbrella one time. I, I pulled something out of the hat with that because it's the same thing as a cane. You know what I mean? I did such crazy stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, you but you were fun. literally right in the middle of all this. You were up there doing yeah. a demo with Bo and y'all were doing some crazy stuff and breaking yeah. and everything. And you looked down at her and said, can I borrow that cane? And so she, <laughs> but my fact, my dad was the one that got up out of the seat and walked up to the stage and handed it to you. So, yeah. I remember. I remember being at a couple of places, big I remember that. You know what I mean? I, re I remember doing that. That was so fun, man. I just, I miss all that stuff, man. That You, you know, you blink your eye and then um, it goes past. But, yeah. but I'm going to get ready now, too, to open a another podcast in 2023. I haven't announced it. I, do, I got the, uh, I've had this for a while, this idea. And so mentors of mine or comrades or peers and stuff like that, or students of mine now that have schools, I'm going to have shows where I have a shared co-host for like a four week 
thing, right? We can do, matter of fact, we can do all the shows in one sitting, right? Uh, it'd be a little different than what is, this is live and stuff like that, but it's called the Goya Podcast with Mark Cox, right? It's called Get Off Your Ass Podcast. It's more <laughs> of a mindset. Um, that would be uh, yeah, it was. A, it's more of a mindset, and and people that are in the entrepreneur space or in the martial arts space about exactly what you talked about. You have this potential, and you hold back yourself. And we can go. Yours would be great because we can go over some of the principles of your book, right? Okay. We can probably break it up in four things, and that's all we're going to talk about. Okay. And uh, it'll be uh, on. You know, you'll be a. Uh, um, a co-host then for that, for that, uh, for that time. And uh, I will help you any way I can. You know that. Yeah. It, it's going to be fun. I think that your, your stories, your presentation, I, I'm still convinced it's that Southern draw thing that draws everybody in. That's why it's easy to listen to you. You know what I mean? But, uh, but the Goya podcast, doesn't that sound like something I do? It's, it's time to get up off your ass and start. You know, <laughs> it is exactly really you. A potential. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, and and let's get rocking and rolling. Well, so. let me let me before we end here, let me tell you this. A, a lot of people have called me throughout the country and help, asked me to help them on certain things, and I try to be the best, do the best I can to help them. But you, my friend, you always took everything I said and tried to do the best you could to implement it, and that's why I'll continue to have you. Uh, to help you as any way I possibly can, because you are such a sponge. Most people aren't. Most people that uh, many people across this country, after they've got, gotten out of high school, they didn't even read one book. But not only you would read and study and you would call and question and 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 it, and you weren't trying. It, and a, what, one of the things that was refreshing about you, especially to my personality, was if there wasn't something you understood. You wouldn't just go, well, okay, okay, and just try to agree with it. And you'd go, I don't understand. I need more information. Give me more information. What else do I need to know about that? And I, that was always refreshing to me. That always, I knew at that point you were digging in, and that's you, man. That's you from the from the mm. start. You always dig in, and I am very proud of the success that you've had in in your life. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate it, Terry. I, I tell everybody for sure. I would not be where I'm at if that I, it's a God thing that he puts you in front of me. And I know it. I've known it from the beginning. You know, I came from a ministry, even this school here, a church started out of this school. And it was, you know, I was attacked pretty good. You know, when you let church come in, I don't know, devil don't like it. But you know what? I, I like a good fight. So you want to yes, you want to you want to you want to rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. OK, <laughs> because who I have on my corner is is not you right it is not you the devil and so um you know i've always uh you've done something uh you know people talk about character is is what you are when nobody else is watching and also have you done something for somebody that they could never repay you and that would be me that's what you did for me i, I wouldn't even know how to begin to repay you out of outside of giving you the acclimates of what you've done and produce the students that I do and the other schools that I do. And it wouldn't happen without you. It just wouldn't have. Well, I, only, I could have been the only payment I ever wanted from you was to pass it forward. And you. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate it, man. You are, you're, you're still, I tell, I still tell everybody, this is my, this is my coach and mentor for, for what it is. And even if we don't talk for months, as soon as we get on the phone, it, it's just like, we just saw each other the other that's day. Right. 
You know what I mean? So I really do appreciate the, the time, man. So, uh, I, yes, we are going to get onto the Goya podcast. I'm going to start announcing that here soon. And uh, but I want to have everything in line before I did it, because I've thought about this for a while. A lot of these interviews I've done is great, but I want that raw um, people that will say tell you how it is. This is how this is this is what you need to do. This is how you have to be. And then um, now it's up to you to implement it. That's if you don't you implement it, you know, that's, if you you, don't, that's exactly why I think it'll do well. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll look forward to it. And we'll we'll have a good discussion on what okay. we should do for those four those four episodes. And we can probably I tell everybody we you know, these are the kind of stuff that I can do in, in one session because it's not live. And we can break it up in sections and then we can release it every other week and stuff yeah. like that. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun awesome. podcast. So I look forward to it. All right. All right, Thanks Mr. Brumley. I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon. You know, uh, I still want to think uh, my you know, my folks are still around. And I, I, I think I really you know my parents would love to see Elvis's house. And so Bring we talk about that bed and breakfast. And maybe I'll send my folks down there. And then, uh, of Please course, do. I got to have to come if, if they're going to be out. there. That'd but, be awesome. All right. Hey. Hey, Mark Cox, you are born to win. That's right. And so are you. <laughs> well skilled, well skilled, self disciplined. Self disciplined you know. black belt. That's correct. Good, Good day, sir. Bye. Bye. See you, man. <laughs> You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self defense, weight loss and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.